Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Lafayette Comedy, bringing national comedy shows to Acadiana. From the French Press in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Maida. Creativity can be like gas in a tank. If you go, 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 you burn it all up. So work-life balance in creative industries is really important. Business owners are paying more and more attention now to the environment they create for their employees and their customers. It's not really just about recruitment either. Uh, it makes for a better product for your clients and for your customers. Your talent needs a place to thrive, and running creative businesses in a secondary market like Matt, like Lafayette means you're often a training ground. Developing talent can be an important competitive advantage. My guest Shree Hebert created a garden for advertising talent when she launched BBR Creative with her partners in 1997. The firm has grown to compete on the national stage with uh, award-winning campaigns for big brands like Tabasco, CC's Coffee House, and Cox Communications. You know, what got Shree into the business was a passion for advertising design, a discipline with an important distinction from visual design. Uh, advertising design is about sending a message, not just establishing a vibe or a sense of meaning. Uh, BBR creates messaging that cuts through the noise, and with so much media noise pollution out there, it's a tricky thing to do. Shree has created a space for employees to create. They make a point to avoid burnout so their creative juices can refill. And it's an attitude that helped the firm attract gobs of talent over an impressive two-decade run. Cherie Hebert, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Like good design and advertising, a good tattoo also needs clarity. Strong lines, stark contrast, an image that cuts glass, or as tattoo artist Kobe Cox would put it, an image you can make out from across the bar. Uh, Tattoos aren't rebellious, maybe like they used to be. 30% of Americans have at least one tattoo, and that's about 100 million people. And the market for ink is getting more competitive, but also more sophisticated. Uh, And Kobe has watched the industry change from his shop, AAA Tattoo, in Lafayette since 1997. Uh, AAA sets itself apart from other shops with an open environment. It's the kind of place anyone can get inked without judgment and where young artists can learn tricks of the trade. Kobe knows what it's like to be the punk kid in the tattoo shop. He got his first tattoo at 16 in the back of a Harley shop. In other words, AAA's business strategy is to invest in people. Kobe Cox, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Kobe, the, the tattoo industry really has grown a lot. I mean, you can just see it kind of around and obviously that means you're not just competing for customers though right I would think that you're at some level having to compete for artists talent I mean has the getting people to come work in your shop changed at all I'm kind of thinking out loud about like I don't know do you have to uh, offer competitive salary packages and benefits and things like that well no we don't necessarily offer anything like that but we do offer you know a creative work environment um, and uh, the people that I have with me now have been with me for a long time. Uh, but it is true, it is hard to find good talent. Um, it's, it's not like uh, putting an ad you know, online for um, uh, a roofer or something like that. It's definitely more specialized. So, uh, but I, I have a pretty good formula at the shop, and uh, I've been lucky with the people that yeah. I have. Hey, so how does the like, work model actually work between like the guy that owns the shop and the people that run the chairs? I mean, like, is it, you mentioned like, you don't necessarily offer packages, but I mean, are people put on salary? Are they paid by the hour? Do they get commissions? It, I mean, it's a percentage. Yeah. Um, so depending on how long you've been at the shop, you know, your percentage will increase. Um, and then the house gets so much as well. So is it almost like, like, in like a, 
I'm thinking like almost like you know a hairdresser. Type, like hairdresser type situation where like you have like an independent contractor in the business. Yeah, they're all independent. It's almost like a, a chair rental kind of thing. So. Yeah. Um, so, so Shree, I'd kind of like to throw a similar question to you. I mean, it seems like there are more you know branding and advertising agencies today. You know, um, you guys have been really successful in over the years in, in getting some remarkable people to come through. Are you finding it more difficult to find those people now that you've kind of got more? Um, houses looking for talent? Um, not so much in the creative realm, like our designers. That's an easier thing to find in this market. Um, the digital marketing side, like real digital, folks that are skilled in digital marketing have been a real a, a harder thing to find. But our artists are not quite as hard to find. Um, there's a big, I, I'm just listening to um, Kobe. And there's, there's one big difference between the two of us in that when he puts a piece of art on somebody, that's a permanent deal. When I put a piece of art out, it's disposable for the most part, right? And so the talent level he needs is very high because somebody, when you're putting a mark on your body, you want it to be the best it can be because it's forever, right? That's oh, very well put, yeah. And... Um, my artists are more can be trained and make a lot more mistakes than his can. <laughs> I guess it's also helpful, like in a digital medium. I mean, you said so it's easier to find artistic talent than sort of the marketing talent. Why is is that something unique to this area, or is that just the I don't way know? It works? But I haven't had I have over the years, over twenty three years, I haven't had problems identifying good artists, good creative talent. Um, but the but the business talent is a little bit harder to find, and I don't know why. Um, but that's not, there's not a real gap for creative talent mm -hmm. here. Has that kind of been the case with you, Kobe, in terms of like, I mean, I know you're not necessarily hiring business development people for the shop, but I mean, like, have you found that at least in terms of like the raw talent, does this area produce a lot of people that are kind of be interested and kind of have that natural gift for creativity? Uh, because it is so specialized, not so much. You know, uh, a lot of people have the desire but they may lack the artistic talent to do something like that. Um, and the dedication to do it, because it takes a long time to learn how to tattoo. Right. I, I'm, I'm curious about how, how does one practice becoming a tattoo artist before you become one? Well, you can do what I did and practice on your friends, <laughs> uh, which I wouldn't recommend, but uh, that's, uh, I'm from Lubbock, Texas, and that's where I did a lot of my early work. Uh -huh. uh, so luckily I don't live there anymore, so I have to see some of the, the early tattoos that I did. But um, there's, there's a, a lot of information out there, uh, you know, social media, and it, it's pretty much wide open. So if you're curious about things, you can look it up and get a lot of information. But as a tattoo artist, do you typically um, do sometimes, you have the ability to sketch by hand, right, and draw by hand, and do you encourage that activity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, to answer your question about practicing, there are, there's artificial skin, you know, that you can practice on. There's also, um, people have used uh, oranges and stuff like that. The artificial skin sounds fascinating. I mean, like, cause I was just thinking about that. It's like one thing to draw on, on a piece of paper, but like as soon as something like becomes... It sounds scary. It sounds scary. Not I, mean, I don't know. I mean, how... how how realistic is the artificial skin? Uh, I've only seen it. I've never used it. Really? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it, it's a good start. But, of course, nothing can compare to the living canvas, you know. So you can practice on oranges and uh, this fake skin and other things. But um, everyone's skin is different. 
you know, different pigments and, you know, the older skin is different than younger skin. So it's, uh, every, every tattoo is unique. Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. So, is you, you like, it, what's interesting is you brought this up, right? The idea that, like, his artist will create something um, that will be permanent and then, you know, if a mistake gets made, that's a difficult thing to do. But, I mean, truly, you know, in your business, like, you guys have put out, you know, a design that didn't quite work out. I mean, is the, the you know, where a client comes back and says... You know, we didn't notice this until it was on a billboard. Well, that that's something that that's something that's really changed over the last, say, ten years. Um, clients used to be hyper vigilant about every detail about anything that was produced, and now they let a lot more go because it's so disposable. Everything's so much quicker, especially in the digital realm. So they're not saving work as much. And I mean, we're we're very particular about things that have permanency, like a, a logo design, yeah. you know, and and things like that, because that has to be accurate and correct. And and and, but people are a lot more forgiving now with design, because they they see it as coming and going. Think about it right now, even with photos and things we own, we we don't have as much permanence um, with things. And, and I'm finding this a unique conversation with Kobe just because of the permanence of his medium, which is still, which is much more permanent than what we would ever create. I have the opportunity to do a lot of iterations on something, which he would not have. It seems like, though, but I mean, like even in the advertising world, historically, right, like there, there was a time where, you know, there were designs or ideas that would become sort of timeless. I'm thinking like on the one hand like what you know, the Coca-Cola logo looks like but then also thinking about you know people that then moved into pop art right like Lichtenstein or you know like Andy Warhol like where you some of these people actually were like advertising billboard artists and stuff before yeah. they did high art. I mean is that is the digital medium kind of moving us away from being able to produce like classic design that actually kind of overlaps into what we think about as high art? I would think so. There's just so much more volume now, right? And so some of that gets lost in that. But my, the best designers that have come through my shop are illustrators today and still do work, even if they've left our employment. Um, I could name several. I mean, Bert Duran is a good example of that. Um, Denise Gallagher is a good example of that. They are illustrators, and their work has more permanence. They're illustrating books. They're illustrating posters. They're illustrating T-shirts um, and, and, and art for different brands. So at the core of the designer's mindset is to keep, is to, to still promote that permanency. Um, unfortunately, in my business, we're constantly producing things that have a shelf life. So, Kobe, that kind of is an interesting thought. I mean, the idea that people come in through the, the design, the advertising side, and maybe they move on to other work. I mean, is it common? For, I mean, look, I mean, it sounds like I mean, you have a background in art, right? I mean, painting, maybe photography, that kind of thing. Yeah, painting, photography. So, I mean, you know, do folks that come in through the shop, do they move on to do other types of work? I mean, is there... Oh, sure. Yeah, we've been around for so long that there has, you know, uh, been employees that have moved on to other things. But... Uh, but uh, if, if the tattooer is committed and they're really good, they tend to stick with it, yeah. you know, and stay with it. Well, I mean, I'm guessing maybe think about it from the other perspective. I mean, are there particular artistic disciplines that translate better into being a good tattooer than others, right? I mean, you seem to have, like, kind of a diverse background doing photography and painting, but I mean... It helps. Yeah. There's a nice overlap, but it's not necessary. Um, a, a lot of people just have a natural talent, artistic talent, and they're able to transfer that into tattooing. Yeah. I mean, do, do folks move into things like graphic design after that? I mean, I guess I'm sort of curious, like, you know, 
it's one thing to like leave the artistic realm altogether, or it's another to be like, you know, a lot of tattoo artists become, you know, brand designers, and advertising well, agencies. Well, a lot of the tattooers that I know are still tattooers. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's uh, people that have left and have followed other opportunities. Yeah. Know, but um, yeah, graphic design would probably be something that they might do. Airbrush design too, wouldn't you think? That's yeah, that goes hand in hand as well. There's a lot of that as well. Tree, it kind of has me curious, like, you know, to what extent you've noticed the actual types of designs changing, right? Like, like you, you know, trends in you know styles that brands start looking for. I mean, I would imagine that like over time, you know, people kind of gravitate to this typeface versus that one. Or I mean, like, have you noticed? as things have become less permanent, that like the, the, the gears of change have moved faster. Well, I, I want to be clear about this one thing, though. Each brand that we work for, their branding of that organization has to have a long shelf life, right? And that continuity and consistency of the use of the brand is super important. That's not answering your question, but it is, it's talking about like continuity builds trust and therefore you don't want to have a brand that changes the look very often. It's got to be very consistent. So that part stays the same. In fact, one of our claims to fame is we designed the logo for FFS, it's fire safety and specialty. And the guy, one of the employees had, it was the first time this ever happened, had the, cl- the company logo tattooed on his arm or something. It was an awesome design for that though. And it looked great. And we were like, does he love his job or what? Right? <laughs> to answer your question though, I really think that's a, probably our creative director would probably be able, be able to answer that question a little bit more. Clients typically don't, I, I wouldn't say they don't have strong um, you know, they don't drive us to do create art in a certain way. They are mainly, it's business activity. What we're doing primarily is a business activity. They do allow us to have creativity as it relates to campaigns around things. Um, and, and we can explore new ways of creating like a look and feel for a campaign more than the brand. People are much more traditional in the business sense to do traditional branding for their organization like they're not that adventurous um, but they, they will allow you to be adventurous with a campaign that they might put out and but they usually don't drive the directive of what that looks like the, our designers come up with maybe three different styles and say do you want this like retro look or maybe we can explore this illustrative look so we kind of drive the direction that that campaign might take if that makes sense you're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to ad exec Cherie Hebert and tattoo artist Kobe Cox. Kobe, I imagine most people come into your shop having a pretty good idea of what they want to do. But I'm curious to like to what extent like you or one of the other artists actually has to like coax out the idea. If somebody comes in and I say like I want a picture of a sailor, I may not know what that sailor. I don't know why I'd get a sailor on my body, but I don't do anything on boats. But but like to what extent somebody come in and say like, well, let me help you actualize what that sailor might look like. Right. Well, uh, a lot of times people will will see something that they like. Yeah. But it will not uh, translate to the skin that well as a tattoo. So, uh, for instance, a, a logo or something like that, um, uh, you know, may look better tweaked a little bit. So what we'll do, we'll take their idea and then we'll kind of run with it, you know, and let them know and show them what will work as a tattoo. 
But you do you sketch that out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're actually sketching it out on paper first, and then presenting it, saying we're thinking this, right? I mean, you're not like exp- going straight to skin, right, right? Right. We're not saying, okay, sit down. Here's your sailor tattoo. You know, uh, there's a um, a collaboration with the with the client. Well, that's something we have in common, though, because we have to show like a pre-sketch of ideas prior to. I would imagine for him the hardest thing to do is when somebody has an idea in their mind that they're trying to communicate they want and you're sketching and you're sketching and you're never quite getting it because you can't reach in their brain and just pull out that visual. <laughs> That's a hard thing and that happens to us too. Like I know what I want and and then when you start you're like no, you really don't know. Well, it's hard, it's hard to read a person's mind. So what exactly. we what we do is uh we, uh, of course, during COVID, it's all, you know, online, um, going back and forth. But we say, give us uh, as many reference images as you can. Um, and it could be all over the place, but at least that way we have an idea of what uh, you, you're trying to, you know, tell us what you want. So that's a very common thing between both of us. So we do the same thing in terms of, oh, you want a new identity for this food package? show me some examples of things that resonate with you that you like. And it's not copy, copying specifically, but it's given a style idea, right? What do you do when somebody comes in with something that you know they're going to regret when you finish making it? Uh, we won't do it. You won't do it? I mean, no. like, even if they're just sort of like, hey, you know, I know what I want? No, that, that's always been my shop policy since the beginning. Wow. So um, if something just will not work as a tattoo... Or, um, you know, if, if it, and, and we, we try to counsel them and, and let them know. And if they're still just, uh, I want to get it, I don't care, you know, I'll pay whatever. Then I'll just say, well, there's other shops in town that you can go to. Because just don't want that kind of energy on Well, that's how you maintain your re- reputation, right? Because you don't want them walking around saying, oh, I got this at AAA. It, it'll come back on us. Exactly. I, we feel the same way, actually, about a lot of things like passing on work that you know is not a right fit. It may not be just the creative, maybe the whole relationship. But sometimes you have to do that. What, what wouldn't be a good fit for you? I mean, like in terms of like how you think about BBR and you know, what, what a client might want. Somebody who is completely micromanaging the whole process from the beginning to the end and not viewing us as a trusted advisor and saying, look, I, we don't know their business as well as they do, but we know marketing, design, and advertising better than they do. And so we're bringing that skill to the table, right? And they're bringing the knowledge of their business. And collaboratively, we should be able to come up with a good solution. But I have had people who've come in and they want to tell us how to do our job and theirs. And we're like, well, then you don't really need us, you know. Right. So, Kobe, you've brought up a couple times, right, the idea of a tattoo or a design that just doesn't translate to a good tattoo. I mean, talk to me a little bit about what that is. I mean, what are some things that just don't work? Um, well, for instance, uh, white ink. You know, we've already, we already have pigment in our skin. So if someone comes in and they want... Uh, a big white solid tattoo of something, a, a camellia or a, um, you know, a flower of some sort. Magnolia. Magnolia there. Um, yeah, we'll have to throw in some other colors to give it some depth, make it pop. Um, but, and then also location, you know. Um, uh, there was a trend where a lot of people wanted to get tattoos on their feet, you know. But uh, it's difficult to heal and there's a lot of skin regeneration down there, you know. So it just... It, it just wouldn't last and it wouldn't heal up well and then they would come back and 
complain to us, you know, about it. So we just don't do that anymore. I have a question for you because, well, I could, I could ask you two the same question for BBR. So there's one common element that everybody tends to want on their, in a logo. It's common. There's two things that are common. They all want this one element and they all like the color blue. Um, but is there one item that folks come in the most asking to have tattooed? Like this is, what would that thing be? Well, there's trends. Um, so, you know, when the Saints were doing really well, there was a lot of fleur-de-lis. You know? Okay. Uh, so we did a lot of those. And then um, it, it's, and, and a lot of it is what a, uh, maybe a celebrity will have, you know, um, they, they tend to follow that. So, uh, but as far as just an overall thing, it, it's too vast, you know, there, okay. there's, uh, it just depends on the, the trend at the moment. So what do you guys think the number one um in this area, it's in this area, but it's not specific to this area. But what do you think is the number one thing a lot of businesses a- ask to have in their logo? Ask to have in their logo? Yeah. That would be a flirt of right? Well, that would be one. That would be, I think, my number like three. Okay. But, my number, but the number one. What's tripping me up is the fact that you're saying it's not necessarily this area's top thing either. So I'm trying to think of like, what are some like things that like somebody nationally, in internationally would be interested in too? Yeah. And I mean, is it just like a specific design element? Yes. Okay. I mean, that I, people through my career, it's kind of, and it's mostly guys, but they're like, I was thinking about having a logo that has this in it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm thinking of an ampersand, you know, just like why, but I don't know why. Maybe I just Kobe, like ampersand. You, yeah. you got me. Tell me a globe. A globe. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Let's put a globe in there. I'm thinking a globe. Then comes state of Louisiana, and third is Florida oh, Lee. Okay. So I mean, and is, and is it just like people who want globes and they don't even have global companies? Like, exactly. like if, if AAA Tattoo came, oh, yeah. they're like, we want to be the best tattoo parlor oh, yeah. on the planet. Like that's right. what they. And want. it doesn't even, <laughs> and it won't even have anything to do with their name. Yeah. It's not like their name is national or global. So I'm not trying to pick on anybody out there in listener land. It's just an amazing little thing. And I think it's because it's the limitation of the mind about what you think of or you associate with some logo that you've seen or something. And I'm trying to think, like, how many planet logos am I even really aware well, we talk, of? we talk them out of that. Okay, well, that's good. That's yeah. why we don't see so many globe logos. Right. Even, we yeah. talk to them about differentiation and about, you know, unique perspective and what's your brand personality going to be. And so we talk them through that because that's our job. But they come with that idea. Kobe, something you brought up I had never considered was just like, I mean, you said skin regeneration, right? Like, like the, the issue on a why foot. why we're talking about because this. Because this is fascinating. Because like I hadn't thought about the science of, you know, like this part of your body is a better part. Like I would think in terms of, okay, well, how much canvas do you have? Less in terms of like, how does the skin react to the process of tattooing? And it was like, so what's the best place to get a tattoo on that measure? Um, but... Well, that's relative. Uh, so, um, but, you know, you don't want to get a tattoo on your elbow uh, because there's going to be, you can, and people do, but you may have to get it touched up in the future. And, and we, we tell them when we do that, you know, that that may be a, uh, something they'll have to do. But, um, oh, the upper shoulder, I guess, you know, um, the, the back of the shoulder. The, there, there's a lot of good places. So what's the least painful part? place I'm sure you get that question a lot what I usually say is what what do you think is the least painful place 
good answer. I'll leave it up to you because we, we get what, what's the most painful place to get tattooed. And I just say, well, where do you think it would hurt the most? And they're like, oh, the, the elbow or the ribs or the whatever. I was like, well, then that's it for you. You know, that, that's your painful spot. I just would assume it would be somewhere bony. Like the foot, right? Yeah, the foot. Like the when you were like, this seems painful. like a bad place. Like, on, like, the yeah. t- like on the top of the foot. Wow. Like an ankle or, yeah, any of those places that you think it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. <laughs> but I would imagine it's going to hurt regardless. It is. It's going to hurt regardless. <laughs> well, at this age and weight, I have a lot of skin now and not a lot of bones, so I could be tattooed anywhere. Well, the, sh- the shop's open. Let's go after it. We'll get you fixed up. I, I've never, I've always thought, like, I shouldn't get a tattoo. I've got nowhere to put one. Like, I, like, think of myself, like, I don't, like, I just don't have the right body type for it. But, I mean, when people come in, like, do of people ever come in do. and just, like, well, but I just, I'm curious, like, does a person come in and is like, I don't know where to put this thing? And, like, do you counsel oh, a newbie where you idea, say, like, huh? you know, man, maybe you should consider this, you know, cheek tattoo? Uh, well, it, yeah, we, we'll work with them, yeah. you know, and it, if, uh, if the, it also has, has to do with the design of the tattoo, yeah. you know, um, it, we, we try to work with the person's anatomy. If they're getting something big, we'll, you know, put it where the, we would think it would look best, it, you know, as, as long as they like it there, you know, so it's a collaboration. We work with them on it. Yeah, I'm impressed. I mean, it, of course, makes sense. It's like sort of both of your industries, like the level of collaboration that is required to get to the product, whether it's going to be something disposable or whether it's going to be something that's, that's permanent. And that but you also have to have this level of, you know, I know what I'm what we do and I know what works and, you know, kind of like that push and pull. I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of businesses work. It's really interesting to hear that, that both of you guys kind of have that in common. I mean, does a situation come up where you feel like you really butted heads with you know, a client where you said like, okay, this is just yes. not going to work. Yes. And I mean, I'm going to speak from a branding perspective because that has a sense of permanency, like I said. And when I say branding, logo development in particular, and that's like, you know, a, a person's baby, right? It's like naming their baby and giving a face to their baby. So they're very, it's a very personalized thing. And it's very, they have a lot of attachment to a logo. A company owner has a lot of attachment to his, his logo. But yes, I think some of the relationships that didn't go as well over the last year, 23 years has to do with logo development that didn't hit the mark for the client because they maybe just couldn't, you know, they can't settle on one because it's so personalized. I actually think I'd probably have a, that same problem if somebody was doing my own logo for me because I think I would keep thinking about it and thinking about it versus like accepting it, it's you have to say when at some point right 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 <laughs> so I mean you know Kobe I know that you say like you guys don't put tattoos on that you don't think work but I mean you know is it is it at all common for somebody to go through with something that maybe they had some doubts with and they come back later and you're kind of like I told you so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, we offer to cover it up and uh, or modify it if we can. Especially when they're drinking. Oh, well, we we don't don't tattoo anyone that's drinking. You don't? No. Good idea. That's how my son got his, by the way. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think what we all relate to in our businesses, right, is the idea that, like, there's, there's what you can do and you're the expert. Um, and but people have their own ideas of what it's supposed to look like. And so I'm impressed that you guys are able to sort of navigate those prickly conversations with your clients in a way that gets them a product that works for them. So Cherie and Kobe, it's great having you both on the show. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thanks for having me. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Kobe Cox of AAA Tattoo and Cherie Hebert of BBR Creative. 
We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Kobe and Cherie and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Brad Bowie, and you can find more of his work on Instagram, at brad.bowie. Out to Lunch is taped at the French Press in downtown Lafayette, and it's a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh. Our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Risher, and our researcher is Christine Banowitz. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. And to find out more of what matters in Lafayette, you can head over to our website, thecurrentla.com, and sign up for the newsletter. I'll see you here again next week around our regular lunch table for more business Acadiana style and out to lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at the French Press in downtown Lafayette. Since 2009, the French Press has been serving Cajun brunch and providing custom catering for uniquely personalized events. The French Press is open seven days a week till 2 p.m. with dishes like Cajun Eggs Benedict and Sweet Baby Breezes. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Lafayette Comedy, bringing national comedy shows to Acadiana. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.